0: Menace opens
1: at midnight. The Star light Wars light light started lining up over a month ago. All right, get out your lightsabers. You
0: just may have noticed that Star Wars, the latest episode, opens nationally at midnight tonight. The hype surrounding this movie has been overwhelming. Now the question is, will it deliver? they are about to open the doors here in just a few minutes, and people are revved up. So 2.2 million Americans with New York today.
2: Okay, hello Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere and welcome to a very special 50th episode of Blast Points. This is Jason. Hey and this is Gabe.
3: And in honor of our 50th episode, we're gonna party like it's 1999. To talk all about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace.
2: That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a special episode. We're not doing the usual news at the beginning or anything. Uh, we're not going to be making jokes. We're not going to be silly. No, it's a serious discussion uh, about an overlooked film. Are both? I think for both of us, it's our number two favorites, right? Yeah,
3: we don't always agree on everything, even though we almost always agree on everything. But... <laughs> <laughs> in our list of favorite star wars movies yeah this is number two for both of us
2: yeah um and
3: it's a real close number two for me i think it in attack of the clones are like neck and neck
2: uh, yeah if i had to choose between this and jedi like if somebody's like you can only watch one more star wars movie for the rest of your life is it going to be phantom menace or jedi Oh don't know i'd have to spend a whole day crying <laughs> yeah it's a, hopefully you never have to make that decision. Yeah. Let's hope not. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't been able to tell in the in the last forty nine episodes, we we really do love Phantom Menace.
3: How many times did you see it in the theater?
2: I saw uh, Phantom Menace in the theater, including well, it, okay, during summer of ninety nine, thirty seven times. If you include the three D release and seeing it at Celebration Anaheim, it gets it up to thirty nine. You're so close to 40. I know. I know. It's one of my biggest regrets in life is I didn't go just one more time in 3D. Well, we got a chance again
3: in, in April, so maybe yeah, we'll that's, have a celebration at Celebration.
2: But yeah, in that summer of 99, I made a pledge that I was going to go every single week, and I did. And then there was, I it would hit the dollar theaters, and I would go then. And then there was the charity re-release around Christmas time, and then the charity re-release went to dollar theaters. Christmas '99, I really had Phantom Menace fever, real bad, real, real bad.
3: <laughs> it comes on slow, and then it just gets more and more intense
2: as yeah. time goes on. <laughs> it spread like a fungus through my body, and I, yeah, I was going crazy. I was. Spending way too much time on the Force.net message boards It was it, It was out of hand It was really out of hand Experience the spectacle Feel the excitement Share the fun Take the journey
1: All over again Star Wars
2: Episode One: The Phantom Menace,
3: rated PG. It was good though to see it in the theater a lot then, because of all the movies too. This, oh, I mean, other than the original ones, I guess, because they didn't have DVDs then. But
2: it took forever to come out on DVD. Oh my God, so long! It, it, it took forever to even just come out on VHS.
3: What if you could share
1: every moment again? Share it all with your family on video. We haven't much time. Episode One: The One to Own.
2: So let us go back to the summer of '99. Let's, let's okay. before we dig into the film, let's talk about where we were, what was going on, how we were handling. Because like the the hype leading up to the Phantom Menace, as everybody knows, or everybody that lived through that, was I think the only thing you could compare it to is uh, the the hype for Force Awakens started to get close, where people just had the fever.
3: Yeah, but I think it was even more intense than Force Awakens.
2: It was it was completely unknown.
3: It was yeah, it was crazy. That's all anyone was talking about. People were lining up. No one
2: had any idea what it was going to be like. Zero. It was completely uncharted territory. So where where yeah, were where were you? What what what's your what's your summer of ninety nine story? May of yeah, nine. I'm trying to remember.
3: I was working outside Chicago. I was finishing up school too, because I actually I think I I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but like. I had an exam the day *Phantom Menace* came out, and I convinced my professor that I, because he taught like two different classes on different days. I convinced him to, that I needed to be in his other class for the exam so I wouldn't miss *Phantom Menace* opening night. <laughs> I didn't tell him why I needed to change days, but I took my exam like a day early.
2: He didn't. He didn't just know. He wasn't just like *Star Wars*, right? He, yeah, he probably figured it out, but he didn't say anything. What was, do you remember your opening night of *Phantom Menace*?
3: I do. I remember, uh, I think one of the funny things is, uh, I think my good friend, Richie actually like waited in line for hours to get tickets. And then later that day, other people just showed up like right before the movie started and bought tickets. (laughs) So it was like, (laughs) he really didn't need to wait in line the whole time, but it was all right. It was worth it. But yeah, I remember, um, being in the theater, everyone going crazy. It seemed like forever, like that hour. Before the movie started, just sitting in the theater waiting for it to start. Mm. What about
2: you? I, I got. To, we had to go to the. It was in Grand Rapids, and it was my senior year of college. We wanted to, all wanted to go to the big theater in Grand Rapids, which was Studio Twenty Eight, and they had a big theater, Theater One, which had THX sound and a giant screen, and that was that would that was the theater, the midnight show that everyone wanted to get into. And you had to line up about two weeks before for a lottery system to get a wristband. And on your wristband was a number. And then, like, groups of numbers would be randomly called. And that would determine when you would be able to get actual tickets. What? Wow, that's crazy. It was nuts. I, I don't think I still really understand it to this day. My, my number on my wristband was one of the first ones called. And I absolutely flipped out. And I ran into the theater and bought really good seats for the first show of Phantom Menace. And I came out and I was like jumping up and down, like yelling and screaming. I remember opening night, well, even before opening night, I had bought the, the screenplay, the illustrated screenplay. Do you remember that? That came out before the movie with all the storyboards in it.
3: No, I don't actually remember that. I just remember the the whole thing with the CD coming out and the song titles kind of giving things away. Yeah, so... <laughs> but I didn't realize that, that that the the screenplay book was out.
2: The screenplay book came out with storyboards. I remember I sat on the couch in my apartment and I read the entire screenplay uninterrupted, front to back. And I remember, like, I closed it and I just kind of, like, stared off into space afterwards just thinking, like, oh, my God. This movie's gonna be incredible And so I was going around And this is about like a week Before the movie came out or so I was going around telling everybody like I've read the screenplay And it's incredible And people were like really? <laughs> I, I still feel the same way But I probably There's probably people out there That hate me to this day They're like <laughs> <laughs> that Jason guy got me all pumped up so then I remember I had I had class the day that it came out but I think I got done at like 334 o'clock and I was going um with our mutual friend and who someone who listens to the show so if you're listening out there Colin Nooner and he's just like what are you doing and I'm like just waiting just waiting to go and he's like well should we get should we go down to the theater right now and I was like let's do it so we got to the theater at about five o'clock and we found out that you could just sit down in the theater. Like you didn't, you didn't have to wait they just, they didn't, they weren't showing any other movies in theater one and you could just go ahead and sit down in your seat. Cause it was like reserved seats. Oh, that's nice. So I, we just sat there for two hours and I remember like sitting in my seat. And I remember, I re I clearly remember thinking in my head that this, this is what, this is where it's going to happen. This is where it all goes down. <laughs> This is, this is the turning point right here.
0: You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this
3: boy. At last, we will have revenge. Come
1: on, take off. Fear is the path to the dark side. Wipe them out, take all of
2: them. Rated PG. You know, that's something I was going to ask you, Gabe. Like, do you remember when you watched it for the first time? Do you remember a certain moment when you realized that you loved this movie? Oh yeah,
3: I think unlike most people, it's like immediately as soon as the Nemodians showed up <laughs> and started talking. I remember just starting to laugh, and I was like, this is incredible. (laughs) It's like a Star Wars Jackie Chan movie, because this was like right after all the the Jackie Chan movies had come out in the U.S., Mm -hmm. with like weird dubbing and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is perfect. I love these guys.
1: With all due respect, the ambassadors for the Supreme Chancellor wish to board immediately. Yes, of course. As you know, our blockade is perfectly legal, and we'd be happy to receive the ambassadors.
3: From that moment on yeah I was just like I was enamored with the movie <laughs> but yeah I remember as soon as the new audience started talking I was like this is the best <laughs> I can't, I can't I couldn't imagine it any better than it is right now
2: I was into it the whole way through but the, there was the there's there's a there's one weird part it's right before the pod race right before the the chance cube with Qui-Gon and Wado where there's like a, a, an overhead shot of kind of the most espa. Padres Arena outside thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, where the camera kind of pans up and you see the whole thing. Yeah, and you see like some Jawas go by and stuff. And for some reason, at that moment, I flipped out and I took my shirt off. (laughs) <laughs> and the guy next to me, who was a complete stranger, uh, leaned over to me and he said, That better be all you're taking off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was
1: like,
2: I was like, Don't worry, man. I'm just flipping out. I'm just really into this right now. <laughs>
3: I don't know man I haven't seen We haven't even seen The pod race yet
2: <laughs> So I, <laughs> I
3: after The pod race pants Are optional
2: I think I put my shirt Back on after the pod race But all during the pod race I was shirtless I, I don't blame you. That movie's just It's goofy It's crazy
3: It's relentless Like just rewatching it I think I mentioned This to you the other day It's like More happens in the first 20 minutes Of Phantom Menace Than happens in like All of Force Awakens It's like <laughs> <laughs> jam packed of just stuff.
2: And it was all new at the time too. Yeah. Like it's 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 funny to go back and watch it now because you know, even in the beginning with the battle droids and seeing Jedi in action, we're so used to it. But I remember like when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan first like took out their lightsabers and even them just going out there and slicing up battle droids, I was like th- I remember thinking like, "Oh my God, it's Jedi action. We've never seen this before.
3: Yeah, we've never seen this before. And there's, yeah, I think that's something I think, I don't know, maybe that hurt some people's reaction to the movie. But the fact that so much of the movie is brand new stuff, like the battle droids we'd never seen before, the ships we've never seen before, um, the characters other than Obi-Wan and R2, really, we'd never seen before. And, you know, it was just new stuff. Just non-stop new stuff,
2: and it wasn't even the Clone Wars yet. It wasn't even the Republic and the the Separatists. It was kind of like, well, there's not even like a war going on in this Star yeah. Wars. There's a a Naboo occupation. I
3: anyway, know. I think that's one of the things I think I really like with Phantom Menace, that it is kind of like a prologue, and it's like it is kind of separate from the main story, and it's it's an adventure in that universe, but it's not the big story yes. yet.
2: Yes, and it's like I, I've i heard some people say, well, Phantom Menace didn't need to happen. You could have started the, the prequel trilogy at Episode 2 or Episode 3. And while those people might have a point, I mean, I agree with you completely, though. I wanted this little bit of Star Wars deep back history. Like, it's fascinating.
3: Yeah, you get to see what the universe was like in the good old days, and you kind of ease back into the Star Wars universe, too. It's not like you're immediately in this horrible war, and I think thematically, too, it's kind of trying to show that uh, since Lucas is always trying to teach people, you know, moral lessons or something that just, you know, little inconsequential things can snowball into these huge universe-wide problems, which is where it is kind of like, I think we talked about this earlier, how it's one of the goofiest Star Wars movies, but then it's also kind of serious.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's
3: like two extremes.
0: Doing the Star Wars films is, you know, every time you do one, it's, it's like a new adventure. It's like um, running the ND 500 every year. I mean just every time you do it even no matter how many times you've done it It's the same challenge and there's no guarantee that you're gonna be able to pull it off at all. When these three I do these three then it's finished. I've, I've kind of done the, the story and I, I feel I've accomplished what I set out to do originally even more so because what I really set up to do was the first three I didn't even think I would get the first three done until after the films came out. And then when the films came out, I realized not only could I finish the other two, but I could also tell a backstory if I really wanted to, because that's a good story. It's fun to go back into that world. You know, I don't feel a lot of pressure. It's kind of fun. I mean, I'm, having, I'm getting to do a lot of research, which I love to do, and uh, I'm getting a chance to think, you know, things are quiet. It's very contemplative, and I, it's a great change from where I've been. I mean, it,
2: it's like you said in a past episode, like the original trilogy is like a nice cup of coffee with some cream and sugar in it, but especially Phantom Menace, it's like you're having coffee but you're just chewing on the beans. It's, yeah it's just right. it's raw Star Wars. Yeah, 100 percent pure Star Wars. It's George Lucas unfiltered Star Wars. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they just stuck a tap in his head and he poured it out on the screen. <laughs> and it's fascinating. I don't know. Every time I watch the movie, I love it more than the time before. Yes. Just over the over the years, it just, it just keeps growing on me.
2: I would agree with you completely. Uh, yeah.
3: I remember, you know, multiple times into watching it, like, man, this is cool, but I kind of wish there was, you know, a space battle or something like the other movies. Um, and now going back after, you know, seven other movies, like, I kind of like, going back and watching this and it's like the pod race is the big thing. Like it's kind of refreshing and maybe, maybe it was something he planned unintentionally or intentionally that it is kind of like it being different than the other movies is, it kind of makes it special.
2: It's like for the this one movie, it's almost like Lucas doesn't really care what the fans want or what the fans think a star Wars movie should be. It's just what George Lucas wants it to be. In, yeah, I feel like just in Phantom Menace.
3: Yeah, and it's not... It It sets up the the story, but it's it's like the original Star Wars, too. Like, it works as its own film. And if there was never another movie and it was just
2: the Phantom Menace, it works on its own. Could you imagine if the Phantom Menace was just, just by itself? It would be the weirdest movie of all time ever. Well, and
3: that's, I think, one of the things that drives me nuts with people who seem to hate the movie so much, is a lot of those people who hate the movie are people that, if this movie was called, like wacky space land and it was a standalone movie they would be talking like oh my god did you see wacky space land it's the craziest movie you've ever seen <laughs> but because it's star wars it's like oh it's i don't like that movie because <clears throat> yeah it's insane
2: The movie doesn't care because right away you got these ridiculous puppet heads.
1: This scheme of yours has failed yet the blockade is finished. We dare not go against the Jedi.
3: yeah, you got rubber puppet heads, and this thing too, it's like everyone likes to complain about oh, they're all- it's all c g It's like the pneumodians is a giant rubber puppet head in your face, full screen, like main <laughs> character right off the bat, like even to this day, like I can't see even anyone else making a movie where they're like. Right, immediately you're just talking to like rubber heads.
0: <laughs> you know?
3: And they're like and they're not just like in the background, like they're moving the plot along and they're like they're the main character right away.
2: Wearing big goofy hats and robes. Vice yeah.
1: I don't want this stunted slime in my sight again. This turn of events is unfortunate. We must accelerate our plans.
0: Begin landing our troops. My lord, is that I will make it something
2: else i love a whole lot right away in the beginning is tc14 oh yeah tc14's great
1: make yourselves comfortable my master will be with you shortly
2: it's super polite 3po yeah shiny i bought the um talking 12 inch tc14 <laughs> it still works too you press this a little b- yeah you press a little button on the back of its head this way ambassadors and it came with the little tray and, and cups too, right? Mm-hmm. Serve all your other 12-inch figures uh, refreshments. Yeah, 12-inch figures get
3: thirsty. Yeah, <laughs> Hard work standing on the shelf. <laughs> Getting dusty. Yeah.
2: Right right off the bat, you're introduced to Sidious. Yeah, as a hologram, yeah. which is great. Mm-hmm.
3: And the Jedi? The Chancellor should never have brought them into this. Kill them immediately.
1: Yes, yes, my lord, uh.
3: Actually, I think throughout the movie, A Phantom Menace has the best use of holograms. I would agree. There are so many holograms. Everybody gets to be a hologram. Um, there's tons of shots, which I always tell people when they ask me why I like the prequels. It's like <laughs> when there's shots of CG people talking to rubber suit people talking to holograms. Like, that's when I'm in my element.
2: <laughs> Just stand up and pay attention. Hmm.
3: Yes. Anytime there's holograms talking to CG people talking to rubber puppets, I'm in heaven. (laughs) And there's a lot of that in Phantom Menace.
2: Speaking my language.
3: (laughs) Uh, This movie's talking to my heart.
2: (laughs) So, like we were saying, right away, the, the Jedi spring into action. And you got one of our mutual favorite parts Qui Gon working the door.
3: Close the blast doors! That will hold them.
0: They are still
1: coming through. This is impossible!
3: The cool thing with that whole sequence too, which I think Lucas talks about in the commentary maybe, but just how that whole scene is a flip on the, instead of the heroes like being afraid of monsters, he's basically making the Jedi, the monsters and the villains are now scared of the monsters thing.
2: Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in the theater and being like, I didn't know a lightsaber could do that. Like I didn't, I didn't even know what a lightsaber could do and at all. Like we didn't, we didn't know Jedi's could run super fast down a hallway
3: well, the whole, yeah, because it was like, again, yeah, right off the bat, it's like, I'd never seen this before. I never even imagined I would see this. Like, he's melting the door. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> but I never would have thought this, you know, they could do
1: that. Yeah. It's incredible. Where are those droid cars Master, destroy it <laughs> <They're> Two <generated. laughs>
3: Let's go. And yeah, the destroyer droids roll in and like, what? They have shields? Yeah. This
2: is crazy. I remember all during that point, I was just (laughs) like, I am loving this. And George Lucas, you can do whatever you want here because I am with you on this trip. I'm (gasps) I'm in the backseat. You just tell me where we're going, dude. I'm there. And then to top it all
3: off is the... uh... You know, it's like the Nimrodians aren't weird enough. There's the one with the goggles. Yeah. They're in the ventilation shaft. So
1: they've gone up
3: the
0: ventilation shaft.
2: Then we cut to Naboo, and we meet two of the most important characters of the film: Seal Bibble and Captain Panaka. I'm the
0: Scatman!
1: I'm a scatman.
0: Invasion I In only one thing
1: Invasion. Invasion Oh yeah,
3: and before that too, that crazy scene, it makes me laugh every time. I don't know if it's supposed to, I don't think it's supposed to be silly, but it's so weird. When everyone just keeps, like, every time someone turns their head, the camera moves. <laughs> and it like goes around everybody. And you have the great uh, Star Wars rhyming dialogue of.
0: Negotiation. We've lost all communication. Your negotiations seem to have failed. Negotiations, communication.
2: Communication,
0: negotiation. Negotiations, communication. Communication,
3: negotiation. Bibbles. Same street poetry.
2: <laughs> the beat poetry. Yeah, it's like
3: a poetry slam. Negotiation, we lost communication.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We've lost all contact. Yeah, let's go on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) You may think we're joking here, but we're not. We can't say too much about Panaka because we have an episode planned in the future of all of Panaka's beautiful dialogue. Yeah,
3: we'll we'll be, if uh, we don't talk enough about Panaka, don't worry. Yeah. Pinaka deserves his own episode.
2: <laughs> but we'll just give a tease that he is by far the grumpiest person. Maybe not just in Star Wars, but in any movie ever. Yeah.
3: he His whole character is grumpy.
2: <laughs> but we can talk about Seal Bibble.
3: Yeah, we can we can uh, give some love for the Bibble. <laughs> like, who would have thought, too, Like that Seal B- Bibble would be back for all three?
2: <laughs> Where was Bibble in Force Awakens? I was... I almost asked for my money back.
3: Yeah, maybe episode eight will have like son of Bibble.
0: Oh, it's outrageous!
2: Like Bobby
3: Bibble,
0: <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful
2: Bibble. Yeah, I'm I'm Cyril Bibble's grandson, beautiful Bibble. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of my beautiful beard. <laughs> the whole theater
3: just cheers. He's high fiving strangers,
2: crowd surfing over the people yeah. in the theater. <laughs> yeah. You see that it's
3: Bibble.
2: He's back. What Gabe? What's your opinion on uh, Natalie Portman as Queen Amidala?
3: I think she's great.
2: Maybe not Natalie Portman as Padme, but as Queen Amidala.
3: As Queen Amidala, yeah. The cold Queen Amidala, like robot voice thing, I think is perfect. I love the scene right about now in the movie too, where she shows up on the on the Flash Gordon bubble screen. Yeah, she's just like, and that's another. It's just like out-of-this-world stuff. Like, it's not what anyone expected. No. It's not Princess Leia cracking jokes. It's like, she's just so serious. But, I don't know, I think it works. Yeah. I think. And there's it's- something about this co- completely serious makeup, all um, done-up-and-makeup, crazy-hair
2: girl talking to, like, fish-head guys.
1: We <laughs> will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war.
2: Now, after the uh, the Nebu meeting part, Is one of my It's a weird moment that's one of my favorite parts In the whole movie The Trade Federation landing on Naboo
3: To the crazy, <laughs> the movie's like, don't, oh, don't, don't, don't relax yet.
2: <laughs> the music, Williams' score, is unbelievable, and you get tiny little holograms of the Pneumodians.
3: Yeah, I have that. I wrote it on my notes too. Like, it's like that whole scene's cool enough. The ships land, and there's that big panning shot of the droids coming out and all that. And you're like, this is amazing. And then, the, like, the icing on the cake is. <laughs> The mini hologram of the Pneumodians talking to a battle droid.
0: Yes, Viceroy. Captain, we've searched the ship, and there is no trace of the Jedi. They may have gotten on one of your landing craft. If they're down here, sir, we'll
3: find them. Close caution. These Jedi are not to be underestimated. And if you stop to think about it, it's like there's a robot driving a tank <laughs> talking to a hologram of two fish dudes. It's amazing. And we're only like, not even, it's like, what are we, 10 minutes into the movie?
2: Something like that, yeah.
3: (laughs) It's already like,
2: blowing minds. Shortly after that, um, we meet Jar Jar in in the swamps of Naboo. The effects the jar jar effects still look still hold up pretty well on blu-ray
3: yeah i think so i they you can compare it to stuff nowadays they look not as good but yeah it's pretty amazing what ilm did with what they had i mean what is that 17 years ago oh don't yeah you know?
2: yeah that's yeah
3: um the fact that the movie did you know contrary to what people might Say it. It does not just fall apart when the CG stuff shows up. Like there's a consistency to the look of that film. That mm-hmm. yeah, Jar Jar looks good. Mm-hmm. And I think you end up people who don't like Jar Jar don't like Jar Jar because of the character, not because of the effects.
2: Yes. I think we've said this in every single episode of Blast Points, but uh, I've never had a problem with Jar Jar in my entire life, and I never will.
3: There's nothing wrong with being goofy. Oh Mori
1: Mori.
2: Now, the one thing I noticed though, now the, the recurring theme in the Phantom Menace is Ewan McGregor's puffy face from reshoots and his Ast- astroturf Obi-Wan wig. Yeah. You you once you see it, you you can't stop looking at it. And the first time I think it's visible is when he when Obi-Wan ducks underneath Jar Jar's ear, if you look okay. at Obi-Wan, He's got the AstroTurf hair. I don't think I ever caught that one. I'm going to go back and watch that part. Obviously, you can, you can tell when they did reshoots because Ewan McGregor, he, he kind of looked like he was stung by a bee and he has an allergic yeah. reaction to bee stings. He's very puffy looking and his wig is out of this world.
3: I'm always distracted by everything else. There's a few of the shots towards the end of the movie I noticed where the reshoots part, but I think early on in the movie I never noticed that. <laughs> they all jump in the water, which is still, again, outrageous, right? Yeah. The Jedi are like, eh. We're gonna put these things in our mouth, and we got robes on, whatever. We're just gonna walk in the water, and then there's like the whole sequence of them just swimming under the water, and then there's the crazy bubble city, and you're like, "What the heck is this?" (laughs) The music's awesome, yeah. And then they, yeah, it's like there's all that. Then they get in the bubble, and yeah, then Captain Tarple shows up.
2: What I I was starts melting hearts. What I was watching, uh, I watched when I watched Phantom Menace a couple days ago. I watched it with my daughter, who's seven. And when they were going to um, Utagunga, uh the bubble city, uh, she was just like, that's beautiful. <laughs> I was like, you know, it really is. It really, it really is. But yeah, who doesn't love Captain Tarples? Not again, Jar Jar. <laughs> no again, Jar Jar. You said big doo-doo this time. Yeah. You gotta love Captain Tarples. Yeah.
3: And, and uh, soon after that, we get the first of many uh, Jar Jar saying how rude.
0: Yeah. I word.
3: Which I never realized, I think, till the last time watching it, there's at least three times he says it, and I don't know, he might even say it a couple more.
2: He's calling people out. Then we go right into the big boss and ass.
1: You shall cannot be here. This army of mechanics up there is you, we
3: saw. And it's, it's, this movie's just relentless. Because, yeah. yeah, thinking of all the stuff you've been introduced to up to this point, and then here's another character. Yeah, Boss Nass.
2: Yeah. What is he? I don't know. Is he Gungan too? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It took me a few times watching the movie, I think, before I realized he was a Gungan. Yeah. Until so you notice, he's got his ears tied in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Qui-Gon mind tricks him into giving him a ship. But yeah. then he's kind of mind tricked, but he's also kind of messing with him because he basically gives him a ship to go die in a way, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Even Jar Jar scared to go through the core. The planet core. Yeah. The planet core. Yeah. yeah. Which we'll find out in a few minutes why it's a bad idea.
2: Yeah. Well, there's always a bigger fish.
3: Which is actually one of those lines that's super goofy, but also super deep. Because <laughs> it's basically setting up, the that's the plot of the prequel trilogy, right? That there's always a bigger fish, which is
2: Palpatine. Yeah, you know, I never thought of that. Really?
3: <laughs> no. Yeah, that's like that's why that's the whole right there. He's basically laying out the whole, the whole prequel trilogy right there. There's always a bigger fish.
0: There's always a bigger fish.
1: Does it think we're going back now?
0: Yeah.
2: Qui Gon knows what's up, man. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's talking <sighs> about Snoke. We don't know. Yeah, Qui Gon knew about Snoke. You know he did. He probably did. If Skywalker. The new Jedi Will rise They get through So they go through the planet core Fantastic scene Creatures coming out of the yin yang Non-stop creatures (laughs) Underwater creatures Creatures eating creatures Yeah, Jedi's in a bubble boat Underwater
3: (laughs) Who are like way too calm Yeah, They're like so calm Yeah Jar Jar's freaking out. Yeah. The music is awesome.
2: Yeah. They get up, they get into Naboo, and then you have another weird, little weird part, which is one of my favorite parts, uh, Jedi sneaking around. Yeah. I love it.
3: Yeah. With Jar Jar in tow. Yeah. yeah.
2: And also, I love that Qui-Gon is an absolute wizard with his lightsaber. Like, there's one part in there where he, I've watched it in slow motion, where he has lightsaber's lit, and he attaches it to his belt, and it's so fast. Do you know that part I'm talking about? Yeah.
3: After he cuts down all the battle droids, he just immediately turns it off and puts it on his belt. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. He's like, I'm done putting it away.
2: <laughs> it's not going to hurt me. I know what I'm doing with the lightsaber. I'm Qui-Gon Jinn.
3: Yeah, Qui-Gon is incredible in this
2: movie Go back and listen to our all Qui-Gon episode For a much more in-depth discussion of Qui-Gon
0: It will be a hard life One without
1: reward Without remorse Without regret
2: A path will be placed before you The choice is yours alone Do what you think you cannot do
0: It will be a hard life But you will find out who
3: you are. I think one of the things I was thinking too the last couple of times watching it were, you know, there were complaints early um, that there was no main character or something in the movie and there were too many. But it feels to me like it's Qui-Gon's movie. Like the movie's about Qui-Gon. If if you had to pick a main character in Phantom Menace, I think it's Qui-Gon.
2: I would say it's equally divided where the first half it's Qui-Gon and the second half it's Anakin, which is a weird concept. For a movie, but it re- it is kind of told through the eyes of Qui-Gon, the whole movie.
3: Yeah, and he's in most all the main scenes. Like, he's there the whole time. Even when Anakin comes in, there's still, Qui-Gon's still around.
2: Yeah. And kind of leading the action. Do you ever think about how, like, in the, the early art, the early Doug Chang art that came out for Phantom Menace, how it was just Obi-Wan, like, what that movie would have been like? Oh, yeah.
3: I think we touched on that a little bit in the Qui-Gon episode. Yeah, this like how different the movie would have been if Qui-Gon would have been a slightly, well, I guess younger than the original trilogy. But yeah, like an older than he was in Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan. It could have been cool.
2: I just wondered without a death in the end, I don't know, would the Sith Lord, if there was still a Sith Lord, probably was, if the Sith Lord would have just gotten away. And if that same Sith Lord would have carried over into the other prequel films instead of Dooku.
3: Could I mean Obi Wan could have killed him as what still too. It's just I think true for An- for Anakin's story he would have because I think the thing with Qui Gon right is it basically gives Anakin a father he never had to lose so that in Attack of the Clones he can lose his mother and then by Revenge of the Sith he's got Padme to lose.
2: Right.
1: You have grown strong and powerful, just as I imagined, Master. Do you believe you are the Chosen One? How can I know? I can tell you what I believe. I believe you will bring balance to the Force, that you will face your demons and save the universe.
2: As the, shortly after they take down all those battle droids on Naboo, uh, there's, there's more parts with uh, Seal Bibble and um, people being very cranky on Naboo, and uh, they free a bunch of Jedi pilots, which got me thinking, you know, we've been to a few celebrations, and there's not enough Naboo pilot cosplay.
3: I'm trying to think if I've ever even s- I'm sure we've seen one or two probably right
2: I want to say it's celebration two and three you'd see the occasional Nabu pilot wearing like a big orange coat and be like oh yeah all right yeah but not recently at least not in Anaheim
3: yeah it had been a while and there it's a cool design it's I think I mean I don't know I'm a big fan of all the designs in the movie and yeah the Nabu Pilots look great. The Nabu fighter looks great. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's not enough Rick Ollie cosplay.
2: Yeah, which speaking of, shortly after that, we are introduced to Tricky Rick, the one and only Rick, Rick Ollie. Yeah, or some people call him Rick Oli, depending on where you're from.
3: Oh yeah. They never say his name in the movie, so
2: it's too the the screen would burst into flames if they did. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it says Oli Oli.
2: <laughs> blockade Shield
1: generator has been
3: hit. He says it like he sees it. Yeah, yeah. we meet him immediately uh what is they escape Naboo when R- we get to see the hardcore droid action.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you got R2D2's big hero moment.
3: And there's another scene I remember the first time in the theater just like kind of being blown away, where it was like, man, they're just shooting droids off the ship left and right. Like, this is intense.
2: <laughs> they, so they make it to Tatooine. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Right away, we're introduced to Watto.
0: I'm a Toydarian!
2: Keeping it
3: going with just throwing more crazy at you. <laughs> they introduced to Watto and Kid Anakin at the same time. <laughs> so you can't really focus on either.
2: Kid Anakin comes right out. Immediately gets down to business Asking Padme if she's an angel
1: Are you an angel? What? An angel I heard the deep space pilots talk about them They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe They live on the moons of Diego, I think You're a funny little boy
3: He's been a ladies man His whole life
2: (laughs) So, from then on out The whole movie is non-stop I feel like as soon as Anakin comes out I mean, it was already running at a crazy level But it it, it gets kicked up a notch.
3: Yeah, because you're now in, I think you're really in what, act two kind of thing where there's the middle, the middle tattooing section, which almost feels like its own movie. And then you go back to the, oh, there's this whole first half of the movie that we have to finish. (laughs) Yeah, all the tattooing stuff. is just like this glorious side tangent.
2: They're walking through the tattooing market. You got the Gorgmonger. Which is possibly the most ridiculous alien ever in a Star Wars movie ever. Yes. Me, uh, uh, whoopy. Yeah. It seven way whoopy
1: <laughs> Ah, oh, Hey, hey. You know, wama, huh? oh, go, whoopee, whoopee.
2: <laughs> right away where you're being introduced to Anakin, someone's being threatened to turn, turn into orange goo. Yeah. Sabalba shows up. Sabalba's Sebul- yeah. sitting with a guy wearing Alice Cooper makeup. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> it's just nonstop. Jar Jar's got a frog in his mouth, and it, and if that didn't kill you, if that didn't make you spit your popcorn out, right after that we get uh, storms coming up, Annie.
1: Storms coming up, Annie. You better get home quick.
3: Yeah, bones are aching. Plus, anytime Anakin speaks Hatties is incredible. <laughs>
1: What?
3: I'm sorry, but it's pretty amazing.
2: I, you know, I feel like sometimes his line, his Hattie's line deliveries, sound better than English. <laughs> they
3: should, they should have just had him do it all in Hattie's.
2: I would have been fine with that.
1: Yippee!
3: You know, he gives it his all. He does. We talk well. We talked about those, I think, in the beginning, our beginning episode, right? Where it was like, Jake Lloyd maybe isn't a good actor, but he's a real kid. Yeah. And he's real weird and he fits in Star Wars.
2: Exactly. He's got the style. We're introduced to, to Shmi. Shortly after that. Or Shmai. Shmai, as George Lucas calls her. (laughs) And I love every single line out of Shmi Shmai's mouth is is really deep. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, she's so serious. She gives hope to those who have none. We're and then as if that wasn't enough, guess what? Anakin Skywalker built C three PO. He's just wires and stuff. I don't know. I could see why people don't like
3: that and it probably would have been fine if he didn't build him, but it doesn't bother me. I actually was going to ask you about this because it does seem to me, with, especially with the part earlier too where when they cut back to Anakin after Watto and he's talking about how he, he wouldn't have lasted so long if he wasn't so good at building things. Mm-hmm. As I feel like when George Lucas wrote Phantom Menace, he had an idea of Anakin eventually maybe building the Vader suit or something. Like it seemed like they were really setting up where he was really good at with mechanical things, Mm -hmm. but that never really paid off in the other two movies. And I wonder if he kind of changed his mind as time went
2: on. I always took it as more of a metaphor for kind of what Anakin says in attack of the clones, that he likes fixing things and that kind of Anakin in general, he likes fixing problems. He likes being a hero. He likes being the Jedi. He likes being the great Anakin Skywalker during the clone wars. That's, feared throughout the galaxy by the separatists and the battle droids and stuff but you know there are things beyond his control that he can't fix and that's what sends anakin over the edge like when he's fixing things he has a feeling of control and i could see that control is all vader is ever seeking just control the galaxy at this point (laughs) So shortly after that, we're, we're in the beautiful dinner scene. Yeah, Star Wars food. So, you know, one thing I love with this dinner scene is calling a lightsaber a laser sword.
3: Yeah, the laser sword part is great. It's basically what Lucas making his <laughs> his name for it canon, <laughs> even though it already is because he's George Lucas. But yeah, the laser sword.
1: You're a Jedi knight, aren't you?
3: What makes you think that?
1: I saw your laser sword. Only Jedi's carry that kind of weapon.
2: Perhaps I killed a Jedi and took it from him.
1: I don't think so. No one can kill a Jedi.
3: Well, in just it, everyone being so serious except for Jar Jar, I kind of like. I think it actually works pretty good.
2: Yeah, I'm fine with it.
3: And, I don't know, Anakin's little speech is so silly, but so sweet at the same time. <laughs> about what's wrong with the galaxy. <laughs>
1: Mom, you say the biggest problem in this universe is nobody helps each other.
3: You know, he gave it his all. And depending on what your mood you're in, it's like either laughably silly or it's like you tear up a little bit.
2: <laughs> He's got a point.
3: Yeah.
2: Nobody does help each other.
3: It's after the dinner scene, there's the part where they cut back to uh, Obi-Wan in the ship. Yeah. And uh, Qui-Gon's talking to him. And there's just these random Naboo dudes, like, sitting at a table behind them.
2: <laughs> I've always wanted to know what their story was.
3: Yeah, because I always forget about them, and then I get to that scene, and I'm like, who are those guys, and where have they been the whole time? Because there's all the other scenes on the ship, and I don't think they're even there. They're just, like, two dudes, like, trying to not do any work.
2: I always think about that those are the pilots who are, like, sitting Indian-style that they rescued that all run onto the Queen ship
3: oh they must be yeah but they don't they're like because i don't think when they do the r2d2 scene i don't think they're in that scene right with panaka and the jedi and all the handmaidens
2: no they had to pee really bad
3: (laughs) and when padme's talking to jar jar they're not there like they're just totally trying to like yeah just do as little as possible
2: stay out of it just hide maybe if we maybe if we hide they nobody will ask us to do anything So we cut back to Tatooine. We're introduced to two of the most important characters ever in the Star Wars saga:
3: Wald and Kitster.
2: Yeah, Anakin's bestest friends. This is so wizarding. Are they though? they're not. They're not kind people.
3: Well, they're they're pushing him to be to to be the best he can be. Okay. <laughs> they're not coddling him.
2: Yeah. All right, I'll buy that.
3: The yeah, yeah, other kids are kind of mean. Remember, they all laugh and leave, but Walt, well, Kitster sticks around. Kitster's his true friend. Walt's kind of Walt's got nothing better to do <laughs> yeah, with his frying pan. <laughs> but I don't know if I ever told you, I can't stop laughing every time I see that scene because I always, whatever Walt says, it sounds like he says Yoko Ono Annie, and I always <laughs> imagine they're just talking about the Beatles beforehand.
1: Oh no, Yoko okay, Annie. <laughs>
3: And he's just like, well, when do you think the Beatles weren't weren't good anymore? (laughs) And he's just like, Yoko no, Annie.
1: (laughs) Ono, Yoko,
0: Annie.
2: (laughs) You've got Qui-Gon and Shmi's conversation up there. Um, Very serious. Talking about Anakin's birth. And real quick, something I was thinking about when I watched it recently. Do you think... Now, at this time when we meet Qui-Gon, he had already met the Force priestesses. He's gone deeper into the Force than probably any Jedi has possibly before him. Do you think the force led Qui-Gon to Tatooine on purpose, just as the force created Anakin, that Qui-Gon was chosen to find him? Like Qui-Gon says nothing happens on accident. And Obi-Wan says there's no such thing as luck. And the the hyperdrive breaking, uh, like almost on purpose, making sure that Qui-Gon is the one to find Anakin.
3: Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, following through with Anakin having or Qui-Gon kind of having to die because him dying is one of the things that eventually pushes Anakin to be Vader, which pushes Vader to eventually killing Palpatine. It's like it all had to happen the way it happened.
2: And I'm glad Anakin's birth has never been more thoroughly explained. That's still a mystery. Yeah, I kind of hope they keep it that way. I do, too. At this point, I do, too.
3: I wouldn't be surprised, too, if that's in the actual, like, when Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney, was like, you can never do a story about that.
2: Yeah, that would be interesting if there were any clauses in the future of storytelling.
3: Because I always thought that there was a thing like that with Yoda. He always seemed to not want to do Yoda, but then with all the talk about there being a Yoda standalone movie in those early standalones potentially coming from Lucas drafts, I wonder if he changed his mind about Yoda at some point.
2: Yeah, Who knows? <laughs>
3: Because um, wasn't that the whole reason that Yaddle kind of disappeared from the rest of the prequels? As they decided they wanted to keep Yoda more mysterious.
2: I thought she was she was too attractive.
3: Or yeah, it could have just been that. Yeah, people were feeling really weird, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're so beautiful. It's only
1: because I'm so in love.
2: No, <laughs> no, it's because I'm
0: so in love with you.
2: There's a bunch of great stuff after that. Uh, I still love Anakin looking up at the stars and saying he wants to be the first one to see them all. There's a great moment of Kitster sass. Finish the race, of course. And there's one of one of my favorite parts, Gabe, where the, uh, uh, one of Darth Maul's probes goes past a, a skull face guy in a space helmet that's talking to himself.
3: There's so much good stuff just in the background in most Aespa.
2: Which Which that kind of brings us right to the pod race.
3: The part of the movie we wish was 20 minutes longer.
2: <laughs> Which game, this, when I was watching the pod race again recently, it reminded me of something I don't think we've talked about yet, your wedding. Oh yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah. The,
3: uh, at my wedding, after they did the We Now Pronounce You, You're Married stuff, we played the flag parade music. <laughs> um, and I was going to tell you, I made sure to fart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I didn't know that part.
3: <laughs> but I you, know, you got to, right? That's yeah. the part for the
2: fart. I remember though um you and your wife walking down the aisle and I remember like the the flag parade started playing <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I didn't even get away with something like that at my wedding. And I remember you guys walked down the aisle and you look you like looked at me and I looked at you like It's the goddamn flag parade. I yeah. can't believe it.
3: The flag parade's so good too, because I think if you don't know it's the flag parade, you're just like, oh that's some fancy trumpet music <laughs> but if you know
2: something when i was watching the the pod race recently that whole sequence really is a masterpiece of the Lucas style of editing. Yeah, just the, the lead up to the pod race. Or even the pod race or the itself. Whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, of telling, no. telling a story through speed.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think from pretty much the part where you said the movie where you took your shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> through the pod race, yeah, that whole is like a standalone movie of just... Everything about that, I think, is is
2: awesome. It becomes like uh, you know, like a, a creature tour de force at that point where it's like puppets. It's CG characters. You got Ben Quadraneros, Rats Tyrell, Rats, yeah, Odie, Mand- Odie Mandrell, Dud Bolt, yeah,
3: Saboba, yeah. Um, In this, that whole like, yeah, the, when they're announcing the characters, the fact that the camera's just constantly panning. There's just layers of stuff going on. You know, there's the character they're talking about in the foreground. There's other characters in the background. The engines, yeah, just them revving their engines. Uh, all that stuff, I just, I don't know. The sound, I mean, that's probably some of Ben Burt's best work.
2: The Ben Burtt masterpiece.
3: In a, it, <laughs> yeah, in a career of, like, nothing
2: but awesome, the pod race is, like, incredible. They, they they go past Aurora Singh. There's there's sand people shooting at them. Jawas watching it go by. It's just it's it's glorious. The Padres. It's beautiful. I wonder people that hate the Phantom Menace. If you're listening to this right now, probably if you're listening to this right now and you hate the Phantom Menace, you haven't made it this far. Yep. But if, if <laughs> or if this, you have, I'm sorry. Yes. If you <laughs> do, bless you. And but tell us if you hate the Phantom Menace. Do you love the pod race, or can you at least appreciate the pod race?
3: Yeah. Cause I think the pod race is like, it is like a self-contained section of like tons of stuff of like why I love star Wars. There's the creatures, there's the vehicles, there's a story that's at hyper speed. It's like this movie has been moving so quick as it is. And then this whole section, just the crazy, like I use the crazy shots of Anakin with the goggles and he's just like, you know, pulling the levers and stuff's flying by.
0: I think for me, it's a, it's a pace and, a, and an editorial style more than it is an actual photographic image that is the essence of what I am. I've noticed that the one thing that I bring to the medium that is very unique to me is that sort of pace and editorial style, which is probably reflects my personality.
2: Yeah, so shortly after that, Anakin says goodbye to his mother Shmi with her parting words don't look back. Now and that got me thinking too like what if what if Anakin as he grew older listened to Shmi Shmi and what if he didn't look back and what if he accepted her fate in a more Jedi way? Like
3: yeah, I think things would have been very different.
2: Cuz when episode 2 starts out He's kind of haunted by his dreams and fear of losing her. And is, is this because of his unique connection to the Force? Because he tells Obi-Wan this, and Obi-Wan's just like, dreams, dreams pass in time. You know, like, who cares about your dreams? But for Anakin, it's so vitally important.
3: Well, and what's, I guess, if you want to get interesting, is the, on one hand, if Anakin was more like a Jedi and more detached by that stuff, things would have been different. But it seems like one of the reasons we ultimately want to get to what Luke is is because Luke does take that stuff into an account and is more compassionate and is more driven by his feelings than the Jedi were because ultimately the Jedi being detached from their feelings didn't work out well for them. It is almost one of those things in the Force where it's like, on the surface it looks like it was bad and was his kind of undoing, but it led to Luke being the way Luke is, which was ultimately... The right solution, I
2: think. I don't know. I wonder how much Luke's compassion will play into what he's gone through, with, especially with the death of Han, and how he passes this on to Ray now. <laughs> Which would be interesting.
3: Yeah, that's. I'm really curious how they're going to play that out, and if they're really going to be, they're going to follow through on that that part of Luke's character in Episode Eight and
1: Nine. Don't look back before you go eyes forward choices to make dreams to realize don't look back before you go know the truth learn to let go Don't look back Before you go Before you leave Me
2: Now, speaking of um, Compassion One of the next things we see Is a Nemodian in a chair with robot legs (laughs) Yeah It's like there's Oh, I
3: can't remember it, but I love the the line he says there. It's so ridiculous. He's just rambling nonsense.
2: Yeah, just total nonsense. I don't know what he's telling. I've watched the movie one billion oh, times. Couldn't tell you what he's saying.
3: Um, and then, yeah, the whole scene is like foreshadowing to the scene later on when you're like, oh, look, it's the chair. But instead of New Gunray sitting into it, it's uh, Darth Sidious hologram <laughs> <laughs> riding
2: in the chair. If, if you weren't blown away by a chair with robot legs the first time they again, in true Phantom Menace style, they up the game and they put a hologram on the chair with robot legs. Yeah. And
3: it's talking to the pneumonians as they're walking. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's the Phantom Menace right there in a nutshell. Yeah. If aliens landed on Earth and they're like, what's episode one like? Like, well just watch this one scene of a hologram on a chair with robot legs. Yeah, Are you talking to co- to rubber, rubber fishmen. Are you cool with that? Okay, well then you can watch the rest of it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Shortly after that, you got a tender moment with uh, Anakin's necklace gift to Padme, which will bring her good fortune. Um, and I still love that that ended up at the very end of Episode Three.
3: Yeah, the first time watching Revenge of the Sith and seeing that, I remember going, "Ah."
2: Yeah, I was. I remember being like, "Good for you, Lucas." Given keeping it real, giving a shout yeah. out back to episode one.
3: Yeah, and that's. I mean, her whole funeral was kind of the whole flashback with Seal Bibble there and and Jar Jar and uh, Boss Nasty. Yeah, Jabors, which, Yeah, Boss Nass. It was kind of like made it extra sad because it was like, here's all the characters who are all carefree and fun and Phantom Menace, and now they're all they're all at a funeral.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we go to Coruscant. The entire planet's one big city We're introduced to uh, Chancellor Valorum And uh, again In true Phantom Menace style, things come fast and furious Because right after that, we're introduced to the Jedi Council You got Moondi Plo Koon You got Qui-Gon talking really serious About the Chosen One and chlorians. And behind Qui-Gon when he's trying to talk The whole time is Crazy Neck Yarrow Poof Back there Yeah, Poof, there it is
3: <laughs> These three words when you're getting busy Wolf, There it is, Hitman Wolf. Again, yeah, it's like the whole tattooing thing ends, this movie's crazy, and then they go to Coruscant, right, and they're just like, it's even crazy, because this, this, this is the first time we see any of the Senate stuff, right?
2: It was the first time we've seen the Jedi Council, yeah, the Senate, We yeah, we jump right or to
3: Or Coruscant th- at all, other than the special edition of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, after an hour of new stuff, they just cram even more new stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and like we were saying before with like how all Phantom Menace is just Lucas not caring what people think. It's you think of the Jedi Council and it's very brave of Lucas to I mean, before Phantom Menace came out, we were also excited to see the Jedi and the Jedi Council and we get that in this movie and they're kinda of jerks.
3: Yeah, right. You're right. Right off the bat. They're Yeah. Uh Mace Windu's like a jerk, even Yoda's a jerk. Was trained in the Jedi arts. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith, Lord. Impossible. The Sith have been extinct
0: for a millennium. I do not believe the Sith could have returned without us knowing.
1: Ah, hard to see the dark side is.
0: We will use all our resources to unravel this mystery. We will discover the identity of your attacker. May the force
1: be with you.
2: I would. It, it, it reminds me of what lucas would say a long time ago like in the early 90s about the prequels how they were different and you didn't know who the good guys and the bad guys were and just it's such a stark contrast from the original trilogy which was very clear like good guys bad guys
3: i totally get why people don't like phantom menace like it makes sense to me why you wouldn't like it it's just i'm always surprised that people are so adamant that it's a That it's because it's a bad movie, and I think it's just, it's a weird movie,
2: but it's not a bad movie. No. By any stretch. And it's almost Um, been 20 years, and people should get over it, but that's... (laughs) Yeah, that too, yeah, right. So shortly after all that, they go back to Naboo. You've got a great scene of super puffy Obi-Wan, where he's talking about how he's sorry for his behavior. So if you're going back and looking for uh, beasting Obi-Wan, that's really one to pay attention to. I think
3: that's the one that's flipped, too, isn't it? Where his, his braid's on the wrong side.
2: Yeah, that obviously there were a lot of problems with that scene. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jar Jar gets promoted.
2: Yeah, a bum-bad general. And Gabe, were you ever confused by the Padme royal bodyguard thing? Were you ever, like... Because I remember when that whole sequence, I was like, wait, was I supposed to think that Padme and Queen Amidala were two different characters? Ooh, sad.
1: I am Queen Amidala. <laughs> this is my decoy, my protection, my loyal bodyguard. I'm sorry for my deception, but it was necessary to protect myself.
3: No, and I think, I feel like that's one of those things where the marketing for that movie was so intense and the toys coming out and everything that if you were paying attention that the movie was coming out, there was no way not to know that Padme was Queen Amidala. Yeah. There's probably somebody somewhere who maybe never saw Phantom Menace in the theater and the first time they watched it, maybe they were confused. I don't know. It would be awesome to hear from someone who didn't see the prequels when they like came out the first time if they actually were confused or surprised. That scene in The Swamp when she says who she really is and they show all the Gungan kids. Oh, Still waiting for the kid Gungan figures to come out.
2: Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Maybe one day. <laughs>
3: They could do a Kid Gungan Baby Ewok two-pack
2: or something. Next time Hasbro does their write-in polls for Black Series, we'll, we'll have to <laughs> onslaught them with Baby Gungan figures.
3: Yeah, a whole oh. Gungan family. <laughs>
2: Pretty much we're heading into the third act of the film. And I love all this stuff. You got the Gungan battle, you got the space battle, you got the saber fight.
3: And this is kind of where I think back with the the crazy ring theory stuff where if you compare Phantom Menace to another Star Wars movie, it is kind of very similar to Jedi. Yeah. And and it really kind of comes into play at the end with the uh, multi jumping back and forth basically between the three different things. Actually, four different things, right? Because there's the Gungan battle. There's Padme's mission to sneak in to get the to get new gun ray. There's right. the space battle, and there's the Jedi battle.
2: You're right. It's a four-way ending.
3: It's a four-way, which I think Return of the Jedi was only three, right? Yeah. So this was like Lucas trying to be more extremely <laughs> and cut between four things at once,
2: which I think he does a pretty good job of. I agree. I agree. It made me think, too. I wonder if Rogue One... We'll have a three-way ending with the uh, the beach battle, Jin K two and Cassian in the the Imperial thing and the space battle all happening simultaneously.
3: Could be well, and who knows if there's Vader, the Vader Krennic battle. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> they just cut to one shot of that and then they cut back. I don't know.
2: We haven't, you know, and also in this where we really get Darth Maul really gets his chance to shine. He, I remember him coming out and flipping around in Phantom Menace and me being completely sold on the concept of Darth Maul.
3: Well, I think similar to – with the Nemodians and everything too, like the fact – and I guess the Jedi Council. Like there's so many characters in this movie that it's really cool that they're aliens. And it was cool that Darth Maul was a Sith alien because we hadn't seen that before. Right. And we really didn't see it – we haven't seen it since really in the films either. It's like – the Sith, you know, with Vader and Palpatine, um, and now with Kylo Ren, were always humans. And, like, I think that's one thing that's really cool. In Count Dooku, you know, again, another human, like, it was cool to have Maul where he was obviously an alien.
1: Fear. Fear attracts the fearful, the strong, the weak, the innocent, the corrupt. Is my ally. Um,
2: something else that's extra special, uh, extension guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That scene still, I can never quit with the extension guns.
3: Uh, it's more crazy on top of crazy.
2: Yeah. Like whenever
3: you're like, I've seen everything crazy this movie has to offer, something new pops up. And yeah, that's one of them whether it's just like the five of them or whatever, just sliding up the side of the building and they're
2: grabbing hook guns. <laughs> well, it's like we were saying earlier, like the whole third act of the film from the lightsaber fight to the space battle and everything, it's a Ben Burtt masterpiece. And I, I can remember times when I would see it in the theater sometimes, maybe I was just super, super tired, but I would close my eyes sometimes and just like, just and be like, well, I'm going to see it again next week anyway. So I'll just listen to this part. <laughs> just take in all the sounds and it's like it's amazing <laughs>
3: The Ray Shield uh, red thing sounds.
2: Can I, can I just mention real quick to the Jedi battle meditation, Qui-Gon just meditating before the battle gets intense is still amazing.
3: Yeah, that's I, it's one of the high points, I think, of the entire like saga of films. It's like it's just such a quiet little badass moment of Qui-Gon just like, I'm just going to meditate.
2: I remember first time in the theater when he sits down and just closes his eyes, me being like, (sighs) oh, boy, that wasn't in the script with the storyboards. Without all the other
3: stuff going on, that whole Jedi fight, like, we'd never seen two-on-one Jedi fight. The choreography's great. Mm -hmm. Like the pod race, it's like a little self-contained story thing that's great. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: After Qui-Gon's noble end, another one of my favorite parts is Obi-Wan jumping out like a freaking champion. That whole fight between Maul and Obi-Wan in that moment is so genius, so fast, and much like the Padres, is a masterpiece of Lucas editing. And so that all ends. Trade Federation ship blows up. Uh, Which...
3: The Trade Federation ship, too, is another, I think, kind of callback to Return of the Jedi, where, like the Death Star in Return of the Jedi, it's destroyed from within, not from without, like the original Death Star. Right. In a very similar way, with someone flying basically into the middle and shooting the reactor and flying back out, um, being chased
2: by a fireball. Was I the only one that was reminded of Anakin's not really knowing what he's doing, the Naboo fighter flying it up? Uh, During Force Awakens With Rey and the Millennium Falcon I don't know I feel like both of their attitudes With flying those ships Are kind of similar Yeah, I could see that
1: Stay low, stay low stay low. Stay low It confuses their tracking
2: So after that, you got one of the most important moments of the film uh, with bootleg Mace Windu. Yeah. Which I'm really
3: happy to see that this is starting to catch on with the, with the world. <laughs> that I've seen some, like, I think some YouTube videos on Facebook or something where people are like, what's going on with Star Wars? And they have the bootleg Mace. So maybe if enough people bring it up, that we'll finally get down to the truth of who is bootleg Mace Windu.
2: If you're not familiar with what we're talking about, during the, the what, We'll Watch Your Career with Great Interest scene, if watch the background, and you've got a bunch of Jedi coming off a ship, and there's a guy coming off the ship who I think was originally supposed to be Mace Windu, but people noticed it, and now Lucasfilm has said, no, 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 that's not Mace Windu. That's another Jedi that for some reason was like hanging out with like Plo Koon.
3: Wait, so they're really trying to say that's another Jedi now?
2: I believe so. Don't quote me on it, but I believe I,
3: so. I don't believe that.
2: That's <laughs> ridiculous. If what you've told me is true, you
3: will have gained my trust.
2: <laughs> D- I don't know. Did you think, did, do you miss Puppet Yoda?
3: In a way, I do, because it's just one of those goofy things that was fun to have. But really, no, <laughs> because I do like that Yoda's consistent through the prequels and he actually looks like Yoda. But there is, I mean, I guess it's like the holiday special. It's like, would you really miss it if it was gone? But it's kind (laughs) of cool that it's there. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Your life goes on fine without it.
3: Yeah. But, you know, we still have the action figure because the action figure looks a lot like Puppet Yoda.
2: It's true. Blu-ray Yoda, episode one, Blu-ray Yoda looks great. It looks amazing. It's possibly the best digital Yoda in all the prequel films.
3: Yeah, true, because it was the last one they did, right?
2: But I, I do kind of miss that Puppet Yoda. I, you know, i really kind of taking a shine to him.
3: Maybe someday uh, Hot Toys or Sideshow will make a Phantom
2: Menace Puppet Yoda puppet that people can buy and no. talk to. We've said before, Episode 8 might have the Yoda puppet. The Episode and 1 it's... Yoda puppet. Get ready, people. <laughs> the we're, puppet everybody wants to see. We're calling it first. Get your scoop, your blast point scoop. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good, brother, beautiful.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight.
2: So after that, we get we head right into Qui Gon's funeral. And Gabe, I was thinking, you know, funerals in Star Wars are a really gross affair because you're just staying around watching someone burn to burn. <laughs> yeah, well, they're already dead, but yeah. I'd be like, man, this is gross hopefully they put like
3: incense and stuff in the fire so it just not smell like burning people in hair cause yeah just think about when, Ed, when uh, Luke was burning Vader just the stink of melted plastic Ooh.
2: <laughs> things, things come to a beautiful end with the Phantom Menace with Augie's band an amazing yeah. end, it, you know. It, I love that. It could be my favorite ending of all the Star Wars films. I can see that, and it, it, I think it, even more so when you learn that that's Palpatine's theme being played. Yeah, that's the happy version of Palpatine's theme. Unbelievable.
3: I think that whole part, two is such a great end to the film because, again, it's like it fits the title, which I think Phantom Menace, as much as people laughed at it, is probably potentially the most brilliant of all the titles because it kind of sets up really the story of all six movies in a way, even into episode seven, that there's always this Phantom Menace behind the scenes.
2: There's always a bigger fish.
3: There's always a bigger fish, and it's such this kind of like goofy, lighthearted movie. With a happy ending that's really not a happy ending because it actually ends with everything in place for Palpatine basically to come to power.
2: Yeah. They're, they're celebrating basically the downfall of the galaxy. The beginning of the end of this chapter.
3: With a giant glowing
2: ball orb. <laughs> I've, always thought, I've always thought of that. I was like, you know, people in their front yard, they'll have that blue ball On like a birdbath thing I've never really understood what that's supposed to be You know, but I've always thought that's what that was
3: Padme has it in her front yard (laughs) Man (laughs) In Attack of the Clones In the deleted scenes When they go to Padme's house It should be That ball should have been in the front yard Or the backyard, would have been incredible And Padme and Anakin are just like Oh I remember that ball
2: Yeah, that's where that thing ended up (laughs) Uh. I love Phantom Menace I love Phantom
0: Menace. (laughs) And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
2: That about wraps up our fiftieth episode here. Um, but yeah, if you like this show, you should um, head over to iTunes and uh, leave us a review on there. Leave a five-star review, and if you do that and you write a little something, we will read it on an upcoming show. So we're going we to have at least one new review for the uh, for next week's show, which would be good. And hopefully, we'll have some more.
3: Yeah, and if you uh, have a favorite part of Phantom Menace, uh, let us know what that is. We told you ours.
2: Yeah. Tell
3: <laughs> us you 100 of our favorite parts
2: yeah <laughs> we will uh, yeah send us a, send us a message on our uh, Twitter or Facebook page and we'll read it on next week's show and keep the keep the phantom Menace love train on the tracks. Yeah so on behalf of episode 50 here at Blast Points, thank you for listening and uh, God knows what we'll do for episode 100.
3: <laughs> yeah. It'll be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Maybe it'll be Phantom Menace Part 2. <laughs> uh,
2: all right. Yeah, thank you for listening, folks. We'll see you next week. Yep. Thank you. Bye bye.
1: May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
3: I'm the Scatman. I
0: mean only one thing: invasion. I mean only one thing: invasion.
1: One, 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 one thing, 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 invasion.